morning. Reach you in Jesus' name. I welcome everyone here. Someone tell me what I wrote on board. High schoolers? Step it up. Sodium chloride. Meaning? scientific definition or abbreviation for salt. We're going to continue our look into the Sermon on the Mount. I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Does your faith have flavor? As was already mentioned, salt is made up of sodium and chloride. This is where it gets over my head. This is where I failed in school. You can ask Alice. He was my teacher. I hated this part of school. I didn't know what it had to do. But now as I'm getting older, I find this interesting. What makes up salt? It's a ratio of 1 to 1. Somewhere I found that it's 60% chloride and 40% sodium. I'm just going to give you some interesting facts about salt. Did you know the boiling point of salt is 2,575 degrees? Salt is very important to life. There is an ever-abundant supply of salt, and we need it every day. It can save you, it can kill you, but yet it's the best-tasting rock that you'll ever taste. We cannot live without it. It has 14,000 known uses. It is also referred to as the fifth element. So element being we have earth, air, fire, water, salt. The sodium is a metal and the chloride is a halogen. Salt is very hydroscopic, meaning it attracts water. Salt dissolves in water very easy. Salt will lower the freezing point of water. So that's why here, where we live, we put salt in the roads. But the downside of that is it will rust our vehicles and metals that may be precious. Let's tighten it up a bit. Why did Jesus call us salt? Ye are the salt of the earth. Here is the Master, the Creator, standing in front of an audience of people, a crowd of people. He's giving this message, and He says, Ye are the salt of the earth. Can I say that this morning as I stand up here? 
ye are the salt of the earth. It was something that people could grasp, something tangible that people could get a hold of, something that was that was dear. It was something they could relate with. And we still can relate with it today. Jesus didn't call us pepper or ketchup or hot sauce when maybe that might be more fitting. Why salt? Let's dig in a little bit and see what Jesus meant. My understanding is in the Bible times salt was a very valuable commodity. Did you know that our word salary comes from a Latin term salarium, which was a portion of salary that was paid to the, in salt to the Roman soldiers? I didn't know that. As I already alluded to, salt has many functions. And I want to look at some of these functions this morning, and I want to see if we can make some parallels with the functions that salt has. Some of the first things that come to our mind is salt is a very good preserving um, thing. Salt is very important in preserving. Prior to our day, before we had deep freeze freezers, salt was very important to preserve meat. If you were going to keep meat for any time, length of time, the shelf life needed to be added to it. Was you made a brine of salt and you cured it with it. It would limit. Uh, wouldn't let bacteria grow in it. It kept the meat from going bad and spoiling. Does our faith preserve? Does it keep you from spoiling? We are entrusted with preserving goodness. Do we add good to our days, to our projects? And you could fill in the blank. It's a small thing. Our milk company is doing a, an advertising. And I understand this is just an ad. But it has a good illustration. And I may have shared this before. Their slogan is, add a little good will go a long way. It may start out small, but a little good may be great. And in that ad, they show a kettle, a big kettle, and this girl, a little girl, peeping over the edge, barely can see in. In the bottom of that kettle, of course, there's a, a slice of butter that's melting in the bottom. But as they keep working, the mom is there teaching her little girl how to cook. They're adding onions. In one picture, there's tears running down her eyes from the onions. They keep adding ingredients to the soup, potatoes, carrots, meat. Before long, they have this big kettle filled with soup. And it doesn't stop there. The mom takes the little girl, they take the soup, and they go to the soup kitchen, and they serve soup. A little good may be great. You know, every day, it's the small things that we encounter that make a difference. There's people watching. There's people reading us. 
They're looking into our lives and they see how we act or react. Our friends, our families, our co-workers, they hear the stories we, we tell. They hear the jokes we say. They see how we treat people. We may be the only Bible that some of those people may ever read. We need to preserve in a world that is decaying and rotting. It's an opportunity for you and I to live a life that brings hope to a world that is falling, getting worse, and as you can say, it's falling apart. Second function salt has, and this is the one that probably I would put it at first, but it, it, it enhances flavor. It serves the item which it's added. As Christians, we need to enhance the flavor of people around us. This is where it gets dirty. What good, if, what good is this salt if it never leaves this container? It's still salt. Didn't do any good. It has to be mixed in so it can interreact just like we cook with. <coughs> salt by itself is, isn't as useful in flavor as it is when it's measured out with a tiny little bit and put in then it can bring flavor just last night we had sweet corn for supper <coughs> my sweet corn always has to have a little bit of salt that is one thing I if we don't if we don't have salt, I don't know if I'd eat it. It's blah. It's bland. It's, it doesn't taste as good. Many foods without salt don't taste right. It's lacking something. Does our life produce salt to interact with those around us? Salt of the world, salt of the earth we enhance the flavor of God. I remember those days growing up when I was a little boy. We'd hit the grocery stores. There was more of it back then than there is now, but they often had the, the thing we called samples. I would buzz up and down the aisles, hitting these little booths, sampling the samples that were, were given. always enjoyed that. And of course, their gig was they wanted to sell you their product. But the point of that was to give you a little taste of something that was good. Sometimes our life can be a sample to people that we come in contact with. Does it give them a little taste of what Christ is like, what God wants? Our values are going to express, are going to be expressed in our actions. If we hold the kingdom values of Christ's kingdom, that is when that will be expressed in our daily lives.
most interesting thing about salt is it is most effective and tasteful when it is sprinkled in different places not all in one place I don't salt my corn and then expect it to salt my potatoes and and vegetables whatever else is in my plate I mean granted if I would over salt my corn I might do that to mix it in so it salt, uh, spreads it out but it's better when it's sprinkled in different places third function of salt <coughs> is that it inspires thirst I'm sure we've all had that experience where we put too much salt in and it was too salty and you ate it and you wanted to drink and drink and drink even certain meats I'll eat certain meats that are high in salt from the curing two hours later I'll be going to bed drinking cup after cup after cup of water and thinking why am I so thirsty even my cattle feed has a level of salt in it to induce, enhance them to drink more water. Because the more water they drink, the more feed they're going to want to eat. And so they go hand in hand. It's a balancing act. We have calves that will drink water after water. I mean, it's just like you can't get done filling the pail. They'll drink that pail and you fill it again and you fill it again and they look like big balloons. But after a while, those calves are the ones that are standing a good foot higher than my other cats because they drank a lot of water and they ate more feed. It's interesting that we as Christians we need to make people thirsty for the living water. John 4, 13 and 14 Jesus said everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Jesus' water will not make you thirsty. The world's water will make you thirsty. So as salt, are we making people thirsty for the real living water. In verse 13 there, it, it brings out, But if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall be salted? Is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. When salt loses its flavor, how can it be salted? Can the flavor come back? It is no longer salt that can be used for the table to enhance the flavor of our food because that salt has allowed some impurities to come in contact with it. Therefore, it is good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot. We call that road salt. And we use that. Do you want to be road salt? Or do you want to be table salt? 
Are we keeping ourselves pure and holy so that we can be the salt that God can use? The value of road salt is different than the value of table salt. A little salt can go a long way. One shake. At a time, we can change the world. Notice that Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. He doesn't say that you're the salt of the church. What good does it do if salt would all stay in one place? That is one unique thing that I think I find interesting about our church is that we're spread out from the little town of Dodge Center to the town of Leroy to the town of Blooming Prairie to Austin to Janesville to Little Cedar and many more towns that I didn't mention. We're spread out. We're salt in those little towns. People we come in contact in those little towns, are we salt to them? Some more things about salt. Is it cleans and disinfects? May not be the best disinfect, but the thing I found interesting is Mayo Clinic suggests that warm salt water, if gargled, is good for your sore throat. Another thing salt does is it penetrates. Salt is quiet. I don't hear any noises from this salt. It's quiet. Salt spreads. You notice when I poured it out here, it spread. It didn't stay. I mean, it, it ran. Salt is irrepressible. Once it's applied, it cannot be stopped. Did you ever add too much salt and realize that you added too much salt and you tried to take it back? It's pretty hard, isn't it? You can no longer take it back. Colossians 4 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know now know how ye ought to answer every man. There the Bible is speaking of our words, our communication, our speech being seasoned with salt. Are we known to have a good speech? Turn to Mark 9, chapter 50, chapter 50, verse 50, Mark chapter 9, verse 50. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltiness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace one with another. Salt is going to 
heal relationships. Salt is going to help relationships with each other. We are to be at peace with one another. I'm going to flip the table now. I mentioned salt is good, but too much salt can kill. And in studying for this, I couldn't help but think and remember the account of where Lot was fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah. What happened to his wife? She became a pillar of salt. Genesis 19.26 She did that thing looking back. Hebrew word there, looking back, doesn't necessarily mean a glance over the shoulder, but more or less had the idea that it's to regard, to consider, to pay attention to the word that's used there. So she was, she hadn't let go. What she had left behind there at Sodom was still in her heart. And with that, looking back, not letting go, God punished her with death and she became a pillar of salt. I don't know if, the, if it was the disobedience of her in not f- fully letting go and fleeing quickly or if it was her negligence in fully obeying God whatever it was she she failed she wasn't willing to let go of, of sin the old man We're, we have a similar warning found in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 that you put off concern I'm going to read verses 22 through 24 Ephesians 4 that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and being renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness there were to put off the old man and put on the new man that's a warning for us we need to take off the old self that's ruled by sin and be renewed by putting on the new man and to be in the likeness of God. That word pillar that Lot's wife was turned into in the Hebrew there also is referred to as a garrison, garrison meaning it has watch over So, imagine with me, I was in the Dead Sea area, and actually in the Dead Sea, very salty. But there is absolutely no life in the Dead Sea, and in the Dead Sea area. There's too much salt. So we have this pillar of salt, that standing guard, looking over this Dead Sea, this Dead Sea area. Too much salt brought death. And that can be a reminder to us that we don't look back at the old man, sin, but we need to look forward 
and follow Christ without hesitation and to abide in his love. Luke 17.32 says, Remember Lot's wife. Too much so is dead too. Life, no life can live with too much salt. As we follow Christ and live in His plan, our lives will be seasoned perfectly.